0: Shark Dropper Studios presents to you Top 5
1: 5, five 4 3 2 1
0: moss and as always i have a few people with me uh to my left i have kyle Appleyard. i think you're just part of this fucking show now i guess so yeah (laughs) Yeah, i'm here to stay (laughs) he just showed up one day
2: (laughs) he's just like i'm gonna be part of
3: this
0: yeah like you know you were like a guest spot now all of a sudden you're 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 the man
3: making it a making it a habit
0: (laughs) uh to kyle's left we have robert lamb and last but certainly not least Maybe at least, actually. Uh, John Lazaveth, say hello.
4: Hey, everyone.
0: How's everybody doing?
2: Not bad. Good. Just recorded a podcast. Yeah.
0: i got to say, I will be honest, I've been a little vocal with my criticism uh, on recent top five. Mm -hmm. Uh, Subject matters. Yeah. This is the first one in a long time I'm genuinely pumped about. Excited,
2: yeah. This
4: yeah, is one you, of the easier you ones, you were ones. happy about uh, top five dudes we want to fuck. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't even think we yeah. have that one. <laughs> if yeah. I got erased, we had to redo that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't have that one anymore. Mm-mm.
4: Anyway, well, you guys are missing out.
0: It's uh, it's oh, finally yeah. an inspired list. I mean, top five hardest boss battles. Come fuck on, really? Yeah, that was top 10
4: Ninten- top five
0: Nintendo characters. Grow up. That was good. Pikachu baby this wasn't in Jonathan's wheelhouse is what he's trying to say <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: pretty much <laughs> uh,
0: so without further ado let's count down today's subject top five antiheroes now we we sort of came on to this uh, subject of antiheroes because there's such a uh, there's such an interesting character to have in any story Um for those of you who do not know what an antihero is, I'll try my best to explain it. You guys feel free to jump in. Uh, it's someone or a character that does heroic things, but purely out of their own self-interest. They don't have very heroic, redeeming qualities. Uh, normally the things that they do are questionable. There's a lot of gray area, and there's a lot of dark subtext to why they are doing what they're doing but it's always sort of moving in a in a good way like they're always sort of like taking out the bad guy right or problem solving for the protagonist or something of that matter they're
3: not in it to save the world but if they are it's for their own benefit right right does anybody else have
0: anything to add to that
3: um they they're they're the, they're the most complex characters usually in in any sort of fiction or any sort of narrative usually your anti-hero is going to be your most complex character uh because most archetypes are just very simple to figure out you got the you know you got the antagonist you got the protagonist uh you know the hero and the villain they both want to accomplish something
4: well what also what i think it is that <clears throat> anti-heroes are probably more relatable than your classic hero Because not to sound overly cynical here, but there's there's no such thing as a truly selfless person. Like there's always some sort of motive or incentive for someone to do something. So it's hard for me to relate to someone like Superman, where it's like just a goody two shoes. Just like you know. Well, first off, I'm not. Well,
2: also you can't fly. Yeah, I don't. I can't uh, fly. You're not from another planet. Yeah, there's a lot of things that just you're not relatable to. I
0: would argue that maybe Superman is somewhat of an anti-hero himself as well. Okay. He's not He's not doing it for the the better of humanity. He's doing it because just of... Just because he's bored? No, because... <laughs> I, I. You know, I'm not the biggest Superman fan, so uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't his, like, planet get destroyed and he's always sort of held a chip on his shoulder f- because of that, and now he's, like, kind of upset and
4: pissed off? Yeah, he's like the outsider trying to fit in, so... But, I don't know, it's just... Superman's always been portrayed as, like, you know the upstanding you know law-abiding american citizen of the comic book world the
2: outsider trying to fit in he's very much like i would say even a dj qualls in the new guy is a relatable <laughs> no, character to superman yeah. Very that's, and, uh... yeah that's that's what i was going for <laughs> yeah. so hey that's not the first time superman's been you know compared to <laughs> dj compared qualls,
1: to qualls. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so luke skywalker is an anti-hero right
2: oh. He is no, I think no. Han
0: Solo any, is anybody who says yes. You're you're you are you you do not know no. what who, Han Solo is. Would, would
3: you shut up? Well, I think by the time this somebody's world... list has somebody on it, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, shut up. <laughs> by the time we're done with this podcast, I'm sure everybody will know what an anti hero is, right? <laughs> or not. yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> explain it.
0: I just uh, anti heroes are always uh, my my most favorite character in any story because it's like like John said, nobody is uh, purely selfless. And nobody is purely like like evil is not black and white, hero heroism is not black and white, you know. So to have like those hard tropes left or right of the line, it, it, you have a lot more believable character, with an anti-hero or an, an anti-villain maybe. Right,
3: he's more relatable. We all have flaws. Right. your your heroes are portrayed as just these untouchable heroes. They're they can do no wrong. And your anti-hero, he's got flaws to him. Okay. He's got shame in his game. Yep. Shame in his game.
0: So, Kyle, tell us about the shame in your game with your number five anti-hero.
3: Well, my number five comes from the world of television. Uh, this is a show that maybe not a lot of you guys in this room are familiar with, but it's a show that just recently ended, uh, and it was and aired on AMC, and it's a show called Mad Men. Ooh. Don Draper is mm-hmm. my number five anti-hero. Uh, Don Draper is just a motherfucking piece of shit I think I wrote that It was to sell nylons
1: For a lot of people, love isn't just a slogan
3: What do you mean love? You mean a big lightning bolt to the heart Where you can't eat and you can't work And you just run off and get married And make babies The reason you haven't felt it Is because it doesn't exist What you call love was invented by guys like me to sell nylons. He's a piece of shit He does. He's, he's a self-serving piece of shit He does nothing for his own gain Nothing for his or, I'm sorry Nothing for his, his family's gain Nothing for his company's gain Usually unless it serves himself And You know Everything he does Is just kind of like Gross and misogynistic and, and But you find yourself Rooting for the guy As with any good anti-hero You're like, you're like Go Don Rape that girl Go ahead and stay, <laughs> yeah. you know, Get drunk And smoke some cigarettes <laughs> Have yeah <laughs> force that gu- that woman into premarital sex <laughs> have for, have u s relations outside of your marriage don yes sixty oh. uh,
4: sixties uh, yeah he's a,
3: but he's a he's a he's a tall clean cut man he always seems to know what to say uh he always seems to to find his way out of these situations and it, you you kind of idolize him in a way because he he is such a he's such a flawed character and he's such a character that's that's uh so nuanced and so uh He's got so much depth to him. Uh, he, I thought he was just a good choice for my number five, Mr. Yeah, that, Don Draper.
0: That is a good choice. I've only seen probably the first two seasons. Uh it didn't hook me like it hooked a lot of other people.
2: Yeah. It's but, basically a soap opera.
0: Yeah. Uh just, just through the first two seasons. I mean, that's very apparent. So
2: Yeah. Robert, number five. All right. My number five is probably one that you guys maybe haven't heard of, um, but I wanted to put it on the list this list because It's from one of my favorite books, but it also has been made into a movie twice. Um, It's Frank Chambers and Cora Smith. It's a tie. These these two characters, they're from The Postman Always Rings Twice, which is a novel by James M. Cain. A pretty short novel. Um, I first read it when I saw it on a list of like the hundred must-read modern novels. And uh, I've heard of it before, obviously, because it was a popular movie back in the 40s and then again in like I think the 70s. Um, mm-hmm. the first movie starred John Garfield and, uh, crap, now I can't even think of her name, but, uh, the second one was Jack Nicholson and Jessica Lange, I believe. Yeah. And, um, basically it's these two characters that they fall in love. Uh, the woman's married to this guy and they plan to kill her <gasps> husband. It's like a classic noir Spoiler. where they plan to kill the husband and reap the benefits of his life insurance and... That's basically what it is. And you kind of root for these characters because, like, they seem like they are in love, but they also get on each other's nerves. And it's, like, you, you kind of – it's kind of even, like, her husband's not a bad guy. Like, he's actually a kind of nice guy who takes in this outsider who is John Garfield or what Frank Chambers. He takes in this outsider, holds him at his hotel, lets him stay there, and then he ends up falling in love with his wife, and then they plan to kill him. This sounds oddly familiar. Yeah. Does it? Didn't – isn't this is, is
0: this like the Double Indemnity just like ripped the story off or?
2: Uh, it's similar to yeah, it's definitely very similar to Double Indemnity. Double Indemnity came out afterwards, but uh, um, yeah, I mean it's it's that classic film noir, and I, I think I like it because of the book. I could have went with Double Indemnity, but I I wanted right. to stick with uh, this because I did like it as a novel, and uh, just the fact that like they. Like like I said, he's not a bad husband. He's not really anything, but like the fact that like they're falling in love and they want to get together and they just want to reap the benefits of having all that money, having the hotel and everything like that. They plan to kill him. And like I don't want to spoil anything, but like like you're already dead. No, (laughs) I'm not spoiling anything, but it becomes like a whole like significant will they, won't they succeed? And you're kind of rooting for them even though they're Bad people
0: Like Double Indemnity
2: Exactly mm. Same exact thing But that's Yeah That's my number five it's, it's a good book too And really short If no one's read it Okay That's a good one
0: John yeah. Alright Number 5 antihero. Uh,
4: Number five I wanted to get An easy and obvious One out of the way So I went to The world of Comic books And I chose Frank Castle A.K.A. The Punisher
1: Those who do evil To others The killers The rapists psychos sadists you will come to know me well frank castle is dead
4: call me the punisher for those you don't know frank castle is a vietnam vet <coughs> who uh um, <coughs> <yeah. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> vietnam vet what are you trying to say there yeah <laughs> I was trying to call. His his war record is, you know, we can let it be up. (laughs) Yeah. He uh, witnesses his family getting murdered by kind of, you know, mob informants. And basically, he just goes on a one-man mission to basically avenge the death of his family. And he just takes it to the extreme. Like, he just... Basically, if you get caught jaywalking, like, he will shoot you in the head. Nice. It's just in a world where Spider-Man and Captain America exist, it's nice to have, like... Someone who uh, basically acts as a foil to, like, their methods, so to speak. Right. Like, as far as motives go, like, he's on the same side. Like, he wants to, you know, stop the bad guys. He just wants to do it permanently.
0: Well, and t- to add a little bit to your point, like, I, if, for those of you who don't know, uh, I'm reading The Amazing Spider-Man from number one to to contemporary times. Oh, nice. Right. And uh, The Punisher was a Spider-Man villain before he was anything else. Yeah. And uh, he shows up in somewhere around, like, 140, 130, somewhere around there. Mm. And this is, like, 1972 is when his character was sort of introduced. It's pretty fucking dark for 1972 because it's, like, like everything up until that point is, like, scoo scoo skadoo, I'm going to get you, 22. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> and, Dang, like, <laughs> it always
0: has, like, this, like, weird, like, don't do drugs, kids, like, yeah. undertone. And then out of nowhere, fucking Punisher shows up and you're like, Jesus Christ, this is fucking dark. Yeah. Because like, yeah. he
2: uses like actual weapons and right. Right. stuff. He doesn't have like, you know, web slinging. He's like got a shotgun.
3: He's just a dude with <laughs> yeah, fucking yeah. mercenary skills. Yeah. And I know that Marvel has the rights to him now for the movie franchise. They just I think they just made did they made a series or they made another movie? Well
4: just something? talk of uh because his character is going to do a kind of cameo appearance on Daredevil season two, right. Netflix, and there's talk that Netflix wants to do a spinoff series for the Punisher. See,
3: they need to they need to put him in Civil War because in the comics in Civil War, the 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 anti uh, unmasking side kind of goes and teams up with the Punisher, at least meets up yeah. with the Punisher. Go ahead, John. I will say that the movie,
4: <clears throat> the first movie, it wasn't really all that good, but the second movie, Punisher War like that basically captures. But I think the Punisher really is—it's just bloody, violent. <laughs> yeah,
3: <I didn't laughs> just very it. fun to watch. I saw yeah. the
4: Thomas Jane one.
3: Like but in, uh, it, but in the, like I was saying, in the comics of Civil War, even the they, like when the, the demasking crew—they when they meet up with the Punisher, they're like, "Oh fuck, man! I, like, like we're, we're with this guy. We're working with this guy now. This is what we're like reduced to—to to, to Frank Castle right now." So even the even the superheroes are just like, <laughs> "No way, man! Like, yeah. you're operating outside of our purview."
0: I had to plug my ears because <laughs> I don't want to spoil it because I'm 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 going to oh. read the Civil War. So oh, I was right. just like,
3: uh, 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 no. oh.
4: everybody dies. Did you
0: make your point? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the Punisher is a good one. Um, didn't Ben Affleck play him in the first movie? No. no first double. Double. Thomas
4: yeah, Jane Thomas played him the first movie yeah. in Tampa. Technically, Ray... Dolph
2: Lundgren wasn't it Dolph Lundgren yeah. the first
4: Punisher. Mm-hmm. That's true. And, Jesus.
2: And then Thomas Jane in like 2004. Just bring
4: Dolph Lundgren back.
2: Okay. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I don't
3: know. I think they should bring Thomas Jane back. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I've heard, heard a case for that. It's that he's, he was the best one.
2: I actually didn't mind that
3: Punisher. It wasn't no. the
2: greatest, but the greatest movie, but nah,
3: it's okay. Well,
0: going on to my top five, um, I tried to be completely honest and, like, you know, my favorite, to me, like, my favorite embodiments of anti hero. But I also tried to mix in, like, you know, I wanted some from literature. I wanted some from television. I wanted some from movies. I wanted some from comic books. Yeah. You know, because there are so many good antiheroes, you can't just say, well, in movies. Yeah. Because then you're you're leaving out the best ones, in my opinion. Um, so I have a little grab bag of antiheroes and what genres of media that they come from. Uh, my number five comes from literature. Um, I'd be very surprised if any of you recognize this name, Kyle might, but let's just see. Roland Deschain.
3: Nope.
0: No? no? Nope. The gunslinger. Oh, from uh Dark Tower series. There you go. Yeah. There he is. Roland dustchain Nice. Um he has one mission and one mission only, and it doesn't matter who steps in his way. Uh his mission is to find the man in black. Mm. Period. And he's chasing him. And for whatever reason, at some point, spoiler alert, it's, this, it's an eight-book series. Yeah. This, and this, this part, the first book is about 190 pages. This happens at the end of the first book. So if you don't want to know, if you're reading it, just fast forward about 45 seconds, and we'll get through this quick. At the end of the first book, he ends up capturing the man in black, mm. finds out that he really didn't need him after all. What he's really looking for lies in the dark tower. He mm. doesn't know what the fuck's in the Dark Tower. He just knows he needs to get there, and he needs to get to the top. Right. Everybody else, anything else, doesn't matter what, whatever steps in his way, he's going to fuck up. And he's just, he's this very dark, mysterious character that you don't know a lot about, and it takes you eight books to figure him out. Mm. And when you when he finally, spoiler alert, gets to the Dark Tower and he discovers what's in it, it's incredible. Right. It's like one of this, like, holy fuck moments, like... That might have been the best moment in literature, like the single greatest moment in literature I've ever read. Really? And it's all because of, like, the expose, the exposition of why he
2: is who he is. I have those books on the Kindle. Haven't read them yet, but yeah.
0: I plan on it. Um, I'll give you, from somebody who's read all eight in a matter of maybe two years, maybe less than. Mm. I read it straight through. Um, there are going to be some that are very hard to get through. Yeah, it's it's a little fantastical, a, a little a, it, it's a little too much fantasy for me.
3: That's, I've heard At the point. same thing just from uh, multiple people that the Dark Tower series is really great, but there's just some books in there that are just like, oh. I get that with some
2: Stephen King novels in general. Like some right. of them kind of go off the rails. Some of them I really like and they're fine, but there's some books that kind of go off the rails for me. It's hard for me to get through them.
0: These ones especially go off the rails. Yeah. There are some really, really good ones, and there's some really, really bad ones. Mm.
4: Yeah. I could be wrong, but <clears throat> doesn't the book kind of take place in some of, some of Stephen King's other novels? Well, all
0: right, all right, all right, all right. If you don't want to be spoiled, just fucking fast forward 30 seconds. <laughs> I'll, for be, 30 I'll be seconds. quick uh the entire dark tower series is one large companion to every other story he's done and then you realize by reading the dark tower that all of his other books are taking place simultaneously in these in the same universe how they're all connected interesting and the dark tower is the is the key uh the keystone to all of his other novels nice it's really weird how he does it huh. but that's basically what you find I'm
3: out. I'm already interested uh, uh hmm. And if
0: you're going to read it, enter it with um, uh, caution. Okay. It's it's a lot of literature for... Uh, there's a lot of fucked up parts. There's some really good books. Yeah. There's some really bad ones, though. That sucks. Anyway, eh. number five, Roland Deschain, the gunslinger. Nice. Kyle yes. Ablyard, number four.
3: Okay. My number four, I had a lot of trouble with because I had two guys listed here. And I wasn't sure which one I wanted to pick. Both of them are from the world of video games. Both of them are video games that I love. Oh, I know one. And I had I had to get rid of I had to get rid of one of them. And the one I got rid of was the more contemporary one, the more recent one. Uh, so I'll mention him in the honorable mentions. Uh, but the guy that I did pick uh, is from one of my favorite shooters of all time. Uh, he's actually my inspiration for the voice of James Keyes, and that's Max Payne. The good and the just were like gold dust in the city.
1: I had no illusions. I was not one of them. I was no hero. Just me and the gun and the crook. My options had decreased to a singular course.
3: Uh, Max Payne is his... Basically what happens to Max Payne is he's a cop. He's in New York. He's working in Hell's Kitchen. And some drug addicts are... He comes home to find some drug addicts in his house. And his wife and newborn baby murdered. And then from that point on... It's like, okay, who the fuck's responsible? I don't care what's gonna happen. I just wanna I I wanna die after I after I murder whoever killed my uh whoever killed my family. That's what I'm looking for. And I don't care if I die or not. The whole the whole entire game, he's taking painkillers to, to uh to, to take the pain out. Uh he ends up like a he, he's he's broken, bruised, battered, and and shot towards the end of the game. Uh he shows absolutely no remorse for any 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 sort of uh uh Thug or or anybody connected with the mob, he just goes on this killing spree of just just fuck you. He's got a sassy tie on. He's too. got a sassy little leopard print tie. Max he's got... Payne Two is one of my favorite games. Yeah, Max Payne Two was uh, Max was Payne really Two. Good. I don't remember so much. Oh
2: really? That was yeah. one of my favorite. It was like one of my first like games I played on PC that like really blew me away, like yeah. graphically. And
4: what'd yeah. you guys think of the movie with no.
3: Mark Wahlberg? Dude, no. that movie there was so much potential because like all the yeah. all the. Uh, all the trailers that were coming out looked so great. It looks like they had, they did the bullet time thing. Mark Wahlberg looked awesome as Max Payne, and then like you had Mona Sachs in there, and she looked uh, Mila Kunis as Mona Kunis. Sachs. Yeah. and that looked great. And uh, then they they the, when the trailer started coming out, they had the Marilyn Manson song, and it was like real moody and. and it's like so cool, and then it was just complete dog shit. I just—it's a video game movie. It's just really—I couldn't bad. believe. I thought yeah. this
2: was going to be the one. This yeah. would be the one. I think everybody yeah. has that idea of like the next video game movie coming out. Like, I hope this is the one that just breaks that chain of just shitty video game movies. But think, it
3: was—it was such a great noir story, and it was my first exposure to to film noir. And uh, he's just a great anti-hero.
0: He looks like a weathered James Keyes. He is. He's yeah. just a weathered piece of. Garbage, leather, garbage, yeah,
3: <laughs> garbage leather.
0: I mean, I don't know what's more leathery: his skin or his jacket. Both, Jesus.
3: And then he's got that that Pack-a-Day voice. And That's not even a jacket; that is his skin.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's going shirtless. But just the the
3: the, rem, the the lack of remorse that he shows for just everybody, and and throughout the entire game, he just, he's just you're you're dead. You, you you cross him, you're dead. Doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, which is. Uh, Who's is awesome. this guy?
2: That's Max Payne. That's Max Payne. That's from the first game. Yeah, cause yeah. it's old. It's older. He's got kind of the boxed head. He the second f- one was a little bit like graphically. Like I remember they had the ragdoll animation. So yeah. like you shoot somebody and like they would, their limbs would flail and oh, yeah. it was pretty cool.
3: They're dark games. And then the I never played three. I I never played three either. So, Wait, did Rockstar do all the games? I believe so. Yeah. And then the fir- with the first one, you could download a uh, a mod for the first one that had, like, it was a kung fu mod. So you can, like, walk on. You can do, like, the wall oh, really? walk and flip and do kung fu moves on everybody. It's pretty cool. It's nice. cool. He
0: looks goofy in the first one. Yeah,
3: he yeah, looks goofy as fuck.
0: I like him in two.
2: that one. I think that's two. That one. That looks. I think that's three. That's way too good to be true. Well, two. three. He ends up shaving his head. Yeah. That well, one.
3: three. Yeah, three. He three goes in between like him in New York and him in whatever Guatemala or whatever. Yeah. He he looks like, like he's like White. in South America or, yeah, or Central America. That's All a good
2: right. choice. I like that one. Yeah. Robert, number four. All right, my number four. I had to put. I had to put him on the list somewhere, but I'm going with George Costanza.
4: You know, if you take everything I've
2: accomplished in my entire life and condense it down into one day. It looks decent. <laughs> <laughs> I just think George Costanza, Shocking. out of all the Seinfeld characters, he's like, <laughs> he is an anti-hero. He's oh, like, yeah, absolutely. You root for him all the time, but he's always just like, he's only in it for himself. He always does everything for himself. Even like, Even compared to Jerry and Elaine and Kramer, it's always what benefits george first like not even them like it's always him first. what do i get out of this yeah what do i get out of this and uh i just love that aspect of him because he's always in like i think he's in like the craziest situations of everybody and like the way he just goes about it is like it's just it's just always wrong It's just always wrong i think you could pick anybody from that cast though. i think you can no, uh, but the reason why jerry jerry's the hero I think he's a hero, but I think even Jerry, though, could be an anti-hero in the sense of they're all kind of assholes to people. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. mean, that's kind of what they went with the, in the finale, even though the finale is not very much liked. But they are kind of assholes. I, but I think George is the biggest asshole because he's just he's there it I a picture of him, him
4: winking. Him <laughs> <laughs> at Monk's that, winking. He's a self-absorbed man child. He is. It's he, awesome. Yeah, I, and I think
2: he just encapsulates like what an anti
3: like a comedic anti hero, is. He's basically we've talked about it a million times. He's basically Larry David. And, and
2: yeah,
0: yeah, he's a Larry David character.
3: And, and I think
2: Larry know, David is an anti hero in just general <laughs> <laughs> like in life. Yeah, <laughs> a real life anti hero. <laughs> I, I think it's a very inspired picture. Uh, you? Pick. You ever listen to, like, Larry David, like, when he's like, what the fuck? Like, when he gets woken up by, like, the, his kids or whatever, it's the funniest <laughs> what the fuck. Like, he just, <laughs> just like, shut up. What the fuck? Like, the kids just keep shouting in the background as he's trying to sleep. Have it's you so seen awesome.
3: Larry David's actual daughter? No. She's hot as fuck. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. well, well, go back real quick. Get, yeah. look it <laughs> get on that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I find it hard that she would be...
0: Yeah, he's not like the most yeah. handsome of men. He's George. He's a Jewish George Costanza.
3: He is. No. There's like some Instagram photos and bikinis. Just gonna put that out there. That's crazy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, he actually looks like a taller George Costanza, a ch- taller, thinner George Costanza. Does. But yeah, I think George Costanza is just like he's a he's a perfect like of all the Seinfeld characters. I would say he's the most anti-hero ish.
0: Absolutely, I agree <laughs> tenfold. Yeah. Cool. This is so weird. Isn't it? <laughs> I can't, yeah, she's, uh, it looks nothing like her father. No. Nothing. All right. That's a good one. John, what's your number four? Number four, I. Whose daughter? <laughs>
4: yeah, who's daughter? Yeah, whose
3: daughter? <laughs> Who do we got to Google?
4: Well, <clears throat> you'll probably be Googling somebody. <clears throat> the. <laughs> I'm going to TV or HBO in this case, and Tony Soprano.
3: You finished?
1: Thank you, T. Cause that sugarless motherfucker, it's the last fucking drink you're ever gonna have. Oh thank God, mommy, mommy, please, Tony, please.
0: Okay. The... I thought you were gonna steal
4: mine. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah, basically, no, he's like uh, the head of a uh, kind of like this like small small-time crime operation in New Jersey, and basically, the Sopranos kind of chronicled his daily, day-to-day activities. They just chronicled his life. And that's kind of the genius of the show. Because most mob stories, they kind of go to the extreme. They show you, like, the murders, like, the shootouts. What The Sopranos did, it just kind of pulled it back, pulled the curtain all the way back. and They just showed you, like, what was going on in their daily lives, like, what they were eating for dinner, the conversations they were having at the dinner table. Right. The, you know, the problems he was having raising his two kids. Like, it was... It was amazing. You see, the kind of classic mob kingpin character, given like extra layers of complexity. Like he all... now he's
0: got a fucking family that he's, he's got a family with.
4: with two annoying kids, and he's got like an annoying wife, and he's got like you know all these guys that he's in charge of, and they're all kind of assholes in their own right. And at the same time, like he's going through some kind of you know mental problems. You know, he sees like a like a psychologist or a counselor, like every season and those are some of the best scenes where he's just talking about his feelings and you know it's very that's something you would never expect from like a a mob story you got mental problems man yeah you got (laughs) mental problems (laughs) i remember one episode that hooked me was basically he was just entranced by like these ducks like he just saw these ducks this is a thrilling show it sounds like yeah It's it's watch Tony
0: Soprano as he
1: (laughs) has dinner dinner with with his his kids.
4: (laughs) Watches some ducks. (laughs) Honestly, it's there's not a lot going on. It's just the the depth of the character development that kinda hooks hooks you on the show. A lot of people
2: say it's the best best drama show. Like a lot of
4: people hated the ending. I'm not gonna tell you what it is, but I I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the ambiguity of the the ending. So yeah, that's my uh, that's my pick. that's a good pick.
0: Uh, I never saw the show personally, but I mean, obviously, it's it's in the zeitgeist as much. It's worth a watch as a show can be, I guess, at this point. Yeah. Uh, going to another HBO show. I thought you were gonna fucking. Mm. I thought HBO you were gonna shark me show. here.
3: Shark drop you. Ooh. I thought you were
0: gonna shark drop me here and take my number four, and I was gonna. Well, you gave me a beer. I wasn't gonna do anything to you. All
2: right.
0: <laughs> Uh, Mine is also an HBO show Also very much in the zeitgeist I would argue that this show is more in the zeitgeist now Than Sopranos ever was Oh Yeah Shots fired Shots huh. fired No, it's not shots fired I'm just <laughs> <laughs> s- t- t- No,
2: it's shots fired it's fine, man. <laughs> You just fired some <laughs> fucking shots uh,
0: Just because you're small Doesn't make you any less of an anti-hero ah, I yeah. see where he's going Tyrion Lannister, number four Let me give you some advice, bastard. Never forget what you are. The rest of the world will not. Wear it like armor.
1: And it can never be used to hurt you. What the hell do you know about being a bastard? All dwarves are bastards in their father's eyes.
0: Now... I'm taking his character from literature, not TV. I don't really watch the TV show. I've seen the first season. Same, here. Where, yeah, Whatever. Yeah. They changed some stuff.
2: It's, like, still, like... First season's pretty accurate to the book, but the... There's some
0: things, there's some people some there that shouldn't be there. And right. Some things that haven't happened eh, quite in the right order. Yeah. And plus, like, everything that I'm imagining in my head, like, it's still kind of cartoonish with the CGI and shit. Mm. and i hate oh, yeah. that shit that you guys know me well enough for that i just absolutely despise that crap yeah and it's enough for me to go man eh, i'm going to stick with the books yeah i'm fine with just the books did you read all of them i've only read the first 3 i've read the first 3 that's it yeah um but tyrion lannister he he pretty much epitomizes what an anti-hero is he he was given an unfair shake in life he was born into royalty Yet he was the black sheep of the family because he was a midget. And he if I remember correctly, is he first or second in line to become the king?
2: He's after um after Jamie.
4: After Jamie, Jamie right? That's mm-hmm. it, yeah. Yeah.
0: And Jamie is pretty much the exact opposite of Tyrion. He's tall, he's handsome, he's Jamie's a knight. Like he's right. an
2: actual knight.
0: And and Jamie loves Tyrion and Tyrion loves Jaime but they still have that brotherly rivalry and Tyrion decided to go sort of like the way of the anti-knight like completely opposite he has sex with prostitutes and
2: and he's smart he's smarter than like all the other characters he's, or he's, all the other family members
0: hands down he's the smartest character yeah. in the whole series Yeah, he's so cunning he knows exactly what to say He he can talk himself out of any situation like how many situations so far in the book has he been? Oh, he's gone. He's done. Fuck oh, yeah. him. And somehow and he gets playing both sides. He does that a lot. Right. He's he's grotesque. He he had his face all mangled from a sword fight and.
2: And Game of Thrones is like one of those series of books or like the show is like where it's filled with I think a lot of antiheroes, but I think he's like the most anti-hero-ish yeah he he basically i don't know he
0: he does really good i mean there's so many parts where you're like i fucking hate this guy and then the very next chapter you're like but i really kind of fucking like him (laughs)
4: because
0: he's he's doing good things but really he's only doing him to save his own skin
2: but he has also shown some kind of sympathy towards certain characters right. when he's coming from a family that's just a bunch of jerks. Like they're right. all pretty much jer- Like Cersei Lannister and Tywin, their yeah. father, like they're all just assholes. Yeah,
0: if you don't know what Game of Thrones is, I'm sorry. They've been living under a rock. But essentially, it's, it's way too complicated to explain on this podcast. Uh, essentially, it's a bunch of families that feel like they're, uh, a king is dead. And it's a bunch of families and factions that are fighting that f- because they feel that they are the rightful heir to the throne. Um, Tyrion Lannister comes from the bloodline that should be taking the throne yet because they have a lot of money. And he basically talks his way out of a lot of situations with his pockets. And everybody knows who he is because he's created such a reputation for himself as being this uh, despicable character. This despicable. Nobody likes him. Absolutely nobody likes him. But everybody uses him. Yeah. Everybody uses him. Not like takes advantage of him. Everybody uses him as a way to get connected to a certain other situation. Yeah. And and Tyrion knows that, and he'll play that against the play that against the end.
4: Yeah. I don't know. For me, for someone who slaps the stupid out of Joffrey. That doesn't make him an anti-hero. It <laughs> just makes him a straight up hero to me. Yeah. So. That's true. He's, so, uh, he's yeah. the most hated guy. He's right up there with Superman for me. I'm sorry. He's pretty <laughs> rad, right? He, yeah. He's
2: he's my version of a Game of Thrones DJ Qualls. Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh my god. Like sure Game, Game of Thrones George Costanza. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. He's hilarious. <laughs> the shenanigans he gets into. There's relationship
4: Tyrion and independent Tyrion.
3: The summer of Tyrion.
4: <laughs> a Tyrion
2: divided against itself cannot stand. Jesus.
0: <laughs> What's your number three? Into the microphone, we please. Gotta, we gotta,
3: we gotta let Robert recover
0: for a second. Robert, into the microphone, oh, please. I'm,
2: good. I'm <laughs> good. Let's
3: go. Okay. Wait, wait. Keep keep it, keep you, you got one more on you? Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Uh, my number, th- uh, what are we at, number three? Yeah, number three. my number three comes from the world of comic books uh, and also recently has come from the world of film. Uh, and I'm talking about a, a work that has uh, many antiheroes. In fact, they are all antiheroes. Uh, and I'm talking, of course, about uh, Watchmen by Alan Moore Uh there's so many to choose from in this in this we were talking about a little bit before the the podcast. You have got the comedian, you got Roshark, you got uh you've got uh uh Dr. Dr Manhattan. You've got any of them. But of course the guy that I'm talking about is the the antagonist of the entire series, which is Ozymandias. Yeah. How the uh, hell am I going to spell that? O Z Y M A N D I A S. There you go. Ozymandias. Uh, he is a part of the uh, the Watchmen. He uh, masquerades as a hero, uh, and he's named after Ozymandias from the uh, from the poem that uh, I, uh, what Mary Shelley I think does it. Uh, I am the great king Ozymandias. Look upon you, work my works, you mighty in despair. It's um, he's a guy who throughout the entire comic book you you assume that he's on on their side, on the Watchmen's side. Uh, his motives aren't never, are never really clear, and in fact, he he sort of sets himself up to be to be killed, killed by that one guy, right? All fake to, to to feign his own innocence. Yeah. Uh, what makes him an antihero is that the, at the climax of the uh, of the book, you find out that he's orchestrated this plot to essentially uh, commit uh, an attack on New York City. Um, he lays out the entire plot before. Uh, Night Owl and, and Rush Shark. Uh, he he tells them all the entire plan, and their first instinct is like, "Okay, we have to stop it." And he's like, "Do you really think I would have told you my whole plan if there was any chance that you could stop it? I did it thirty minutes ago." And suddenly, you the next the very next page is New York absolutely destroyed from this this alien, mm-hmm. and he does it because throughout the entire novel, there's this building tension between the U.S. and Russia. This is this is an alternate timeline where President Nixon is still president, and uh, the Cold War is still raging, and it's the mid '80s, and things basically the Doomsday Clock is is has reached 12, and we are on the brink of nuclear war, like closer than we've ever been in our entire history. Uh, What he does is effectively unite the planet against one single foe, which. In the comic books is it's aliens, in the movies, it's Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Uh regardless of whatever what you uh what which version you you are familiar with, uh he's the hero of the, the the whole series. He he unites the world against one common threat and stops nuclear war at the cost of a few hundred thousand lives. Uh but he you know came back to an island without breaking a few eggs. Fuck me, man. That's some deep shit. Yeah. 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 Well, it
4: just all goes to show how brilliant a writer Alan Moore is. Yes. You know, whenever you get an argument with somebody like of how stupid comic books can be, I'm like, they're not wrong. But just tell them like, look up anything written by Alan Moore. You know, tell them to look up Watchmen. Tell them to look up The Killing Joke. Tell them to look up Swamp Thing. Yeah. Like he, you know, creates like some of the most complex characters and stories just for comic books, and it's they're amazing reads. They're not like your typical like. Oh, Superman commentary. saves the day by lifting nope. the bus up. No, it's way more complex than that. Yep. Greg
2: Proops on his uh, "Smartest Man in the World" podcast has talked about Alan Moore, and he always makes fun of Frank Miller, but always talks about how like complex Alan Moore is, like yeah. how great Alan Moore is as like a story, like a writer and stuff. But he he makes fun of <laughs> Frank Miller because that's all he says is all spectacle. But Alan Moore is actually like, really you know, like has some subject matter. He's yeah.
3: he's right. I mean, Frank Moore is famous for the goddamn like,
2: Batman. And, and 300. And 300. And, and and yeah. Wasn't he, the, he, wasn't Sin he Sin the guy behind, yeah, Sin City? Yeah, Sin City. Sin City. Sin
3: City. Yeah. And he did Dark Knight Returns. And he does, he does, he, does he has some good, good work.
2: <laughs> it's just, he a lot of times you can tell like it's more. It's flashy. seated in yeah,
3: machismo and yeah. flashiness. And yeah. Like, that sort of stuff, where Alan, Alan Moore is
2: more, like, story-driven and more, right. like, slower-paced. Actually, just... Watchmen is one of my favorite graphic novels. It was
3: crazy is that when they
4: announced they were doing a movie at the Watchmen, I just, like, I thought, like, oh, that's never going to work. Like, that's, that's a way too complex story. And, uh, you know, I think they actually did it. Like, uh, a lot of people disagree with me, but I think the movie was faithful to the story, and it wasn't too hard to follow. It was...
3: Right.
2: It's actually the only Zack Snyder movie, I think. That I really like, in
3: terms of being faithful to the source material, I think that's this is the b- the greatest comic book movie ever made. Was is Watchmen? Yeah. It's it's shot for shot almost, yeah, it's Page is. for page, for for they the, only of changed the a book. couple things, yeah. And even the even the ending with with Doctor Manhattan being the being the I person, like that actually that was actually a lot better than the comic book. It's yeah it the a alien lot more thing sense.
2: I think wouldn't have really fit yeah. with the movie the way yeah. the movie was going. I think it would have been too far fetched for some people.
3: Plus there's a there's a little uh, build up in the comic to the alien which you kind of get through these little side stories that they just couldn't put in the movie. So yeah, it makes a lot more sense. I agree. Yeah, I like that pick. Yeah. I don't remember it at all. Oh, you should watch it. I, I didn't read it. Or
0: read it. Yeah, I'll let you borrow it. I watched the movie. Yeah. But I think I was high on painkillers when I watched it. So <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah. Fuck
1: yeah, Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Watchmen, yeah. Who watches the Watchmen? <laughs> 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 I'm watching the Watchmen. But
2: who's watching me? <laughs>
3: As you take more painkillers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 man. It's really 51st dates. <laughs> yeah. You didn't, weren't even watching Watchmen. Yeah. <laughs> Robert, what's your third one? Well,
2: I thought Kyle was going to steal it because he went the same exact route I did. Oh, shit. You're I'm doing Rorschach, I'm staying in Watchmen. I'm going Rorschach. He's my number three pick. I actually Rorschach, like Rorschach a lot. Rorschach. Rorschach, baby. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just like this character a lot. He's this masked character that has like this ink blotted kind of mask that changes, um, as it goes on through the comic, through the movie, and uh, he's kind of this guy. He's the one that Ozymandias, when he explains his whole. Plan night out is it night owl night owl yeah and uh, what's the what's the girl's name
3: uh, Silk Specter
2: okay yeah both of them kind of like even though they're like disappointed with like what happened and like the fact that they can't change anything like, like, Rorschach still wants to be like no screw it you don't yes. do it that way you don't do it that way you don't kill all those innocent people and he's the kind of guy who like would find like a rapist murdering somebody and like he would just murder the hell out of them. And uh, when he found out Ozymandias' plan, he wants to tell the world, like, the truth, even though it could, you know, essentially start up the Cold War again. And uh, I like that aspect of him. He's just, like, this good guy that just wants to do that. But he also goes through, like, these extreme measures of of making everything right and, like, performing these kind of random acts of justice.
0: Wasn't it, like, even when he was in prison, he was still fucking people up? Oh,
4: he He had the best line. It's like... You're, I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It's like, he just like owned people. I
3: think it's uh, in a lot of role-playing games. You select sort of your morality, and there's you have the chaotic evil and the neutral evil and the uh, I forget what the other one is, but Rorschach is the the prime example of the chaotic good. He's he's good at, at just any any cost. Yeah, he's unflinchingly. Uh you know, for justice and but he uses
2: extreme measures. Yeah. But like he's still hacking somebody's head off. God, yeah, that
3: part right there. Yeah. Fucking best.
2: Oh. I know. And he's like crying, and then he just fucking
3: boom, dead. Yeah. That yeah. book, I gotta go read that. This shit was it was such a great comic. Yeah. But that's my number three. Great pick. Nice.
2: I wanna read it now. <laughs> read it,
4: read it. I <laughs> yeah. it chills like remembering the parts. You
0: so can't, like, Jonathan, one? you're not allowed. Huh. You but have sure to you finish your killers. Spider-Man
2: <laughs> 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 comics before you read another one, okay? But I want to read Watchmen. <laughs> no, no, you finish Spider-Man first. You wanted to read it, you read that one first. <laughs> this is 700 issues. I don't care. <laughs> you Do know what you were getting into when you started that.
4: Quick question: Should Watchmen be considered a classic, like a literary
2: uh, classic? It actually is. Uh, I've I've looked up some books like top 100 lists. Of just like just random books, like whoever picks like just top one hundred because I want to see like, you know, different ideas mm-hmm. of who thinks like what's the best literature. And I've seen Watchmen on a lot of top one hundred lists, which is like surprising. Even it's, like, though it's, a novel, quote, no, it's like the only graphic novel. good no, but it's like the only graphic novel slash comic that I see matched up with like fucking Moby Dick. It's like <laughs> yeah. crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> like that's crazy to me. It's such good writing. It is. Yeah. So like I'm I'm okay with it.
0: Well, fuck you guys I want to
2: read it Jonathan Don't
0: No John, what's your number three?
4: (laughs) Number three I'm going to movies I'm going with a character That has inspired millions of rappers In the world So what do you call yourself? eh? Como se llama? Antonio Montana And you? What you call yourself? His name is Tony Montana The movie was Scarface for those you don't know, Scarface tells the story of a Cuban immigrant who basically works his way through the cocaine kind of traffic chain until he basically becomes the kingpin of the South Florida cocaine industry, and it ends in one of the best shootouts in cinema history. Really, like he literally just pushes his face in a mountain. Uh-oh. He's, like, oh, Godzilla cocaine. at the end of that one. Like, yeah. they cannot bring him down. <laughs> like, they shoot him so many <laughs> yeah. times. Yeah. So he's just a monster. I know what you're saying. Like, well, he was a criminal. He was doing a lot of criminal acts. But the thing is, like, he was basically just trying to... Basically, what he was doing, what he felt was right by him. You know, he was motivated to just succeed, like, on his terms.
3: Yeah, he was... Uh... Yeah. Okay. I think
2: the most heart-wrenching thing was when he like attacked his friend for going out with his sister and like yeah. like that was like crazy because this is his friend through like so much and then his friend wanted his his like you know wanted to marry his sister and stuff and it's just like he did not like that. Right. Two He's things so so I want to point
0: out. two things I want to point out. As soon as he said it has influenced a bunch of rappers, uh, I started writing Scarface. <laughs> right. right. I, I yeah. Started, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Number two, have you ever seen the uh, made-for-TV um, edit of Scarface? No. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, well, six gonna, six minutes you want to you you act it out for me?
4: Well, I'll, be the, I'll be the reporter or well, the no, police no, the, guy. I, there's one line in the movie that always sticks out for oh, me when I watch The about. City. It's like how'd you
0: get that how'd you get that scar? no, no pineapple no no, no not <laughs> really
4: that. like uh, it's when he's talking to his friend, is talking about the the city when he's just starting out in the cocaine industry. It's like, yeah, man, this city it's like a big chicken waiting to be plucked <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like I wish I was in the actual movie that was amazing.
0: That's so funny. Because you know Pacino had to go in there and say, chicken.
2: (laughs) Why do they even try? Like, why do they go, like, why are they, like, on TV and they're just like, let's get Scarface. The one one movie that has, like, probably the most F-word since maybe, like, any, like, something newer. Since the 80s.
4: I actually like it. I think it (laughs) adds, like, a nice layer of humor. So you
0: got the Scar eating pineapple and the city's, like, a big chicken (laughs) waiting to be plucked.
4: But, no, I think he's... You know, despite, like, uh, his methods and, like, his uh, his trade, like, it's inspiring. Like, the his, his ambition is inspiring. You know, he never settles for anything. He's always trying to get to the next level. And I think there's something heroic about that.
0: Well, yeah. he seemed to be – he has a good evolution of his character throughout the entire movie, too, because it's like when he first starts out, he's kind of like this young, dumb runner – He's just a drug runner. He's just doing it for extra cash. He doesn't have any, like, real sympathies for everything. His motivation is he's just trying to get beer money,
2: really, right?
0: I mean, he's trying to work his way
2: up, but it's just about making a living. It's just about, like, living in Miami.
0: And I think there was one moment in the movie, and it was when his buddy got, like, chainsawed in the shower. And all of a sudden he goes, oh, my God, this is real. Yeah. And then that sort of, like built like it's sort of like calloused doesn't
2: he see that blimp that says like the world is yours and then later on like he like really works himself like later on in life like at the very end he sees it again or something (laughs) or like he gets that that
4: you know that big fountain that that big globe or whatever yeah it says the world is yours i will say this movie had one of my favorite montages ever in any Uh... movies or, like, they, they got they push you it to, to the, 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 the limit. Yeah, push it to the limit. That's and then it. you see, like, like him showing, like, uh, his new yeah. bride, like, the tiger. The yeah, guy. he just bought a tiger. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> like, what? I like how he keeps bringing money, like, into the
2: bank or whatever. The guy's just, like, shaking his head. Like, Geez, like what am I supposed to do with all this money? Like, how am mm-hmm. I supposed to hide this? <laughs> this
0: looks like the, yeah, Shark Dropper Christmas party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not a matter
4: of cocaine. just a bunch of cocaine. <laughs> but, you know, the reason why I mentioned, like, uh, inspired, like, so many rappers, because, like, back in the day when NT. TV Cribs was a thing like whenever they show yeah. like a like a rapper's house like they always show like oh this is my Scarface poster without fail like every time I'm just like Really? Why? No, no, no. Like, why? I mean, isn't that weird. That's weird. That's
3: weird, right? No, they I would mean, always have the you have little, you gotta have the Bala Cristal, yeah. on chill, and then yeah. you gotta have a copy of Scarface on DVD. I <laughs> think, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they would sorry. show it. They'd be like, "Check out my Scarface. You know, I got that." I got but I've good seen much. I've seen documentaries and stuff, and like
2: why rappers like it so much, and it's the whole working your way up from like yeah. being a low level person all the way up to making it big time. So and he's like, a, That's what they look forward to, plus
4: he, all the gangster stuff.
3: He's inspiring, really. Yeah. yeah. That's why Nas' album is called The World is Yours. Yeah.
4: Oh,
0: nice. Wait,
3: so, yeah. did you say
0: the novels? That's what it's called?
3: No, Nas' album. Noses. Like one of his best albums. Uh, the World is it. Yours. I got it. So that was my pick?
0: Nice. All right. My number three also comes from movies. Nobody's said it yet, and I'm very surprised. Want to take a guess? Robert, you usually get at this. Han Solo. Good job. <laughs> Han Solo, for the record, shot first. But that's regardless. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, they edited that shit out to, so that he, he should have said that first. in episode
2: seven. Like, right when they introduced Han Solo. <laughs> right, spoiler right, alert. He should have been like, a hey, shot I'm the burst. guy who shoots things
3: first. Yeah, I shot first. <laughs> or, or, huge spoiler alert, right before he dies, <laughs> I, shot, <laughs> I shot first. <laughs> he is... Uh,
0: what a character! I mean, he is—he is a very—he's a—he's the anti-hero. He's the hero. He's the comic relief.
2: I think he's, he's an the, anti-hero that turns into a hero.
0: Yeah, but by the, the fir- by the later movies. But the first movie is an anti-hero. Oh, he's well, an
2: anti-hero. Second one, I think the first second two. one too. Yeah, I think the first two is. I think Return of the Jedi is when he becomes a hero.
0: Right. I agree.
2: A full-on hero.
0: Um, he he's helping he's helping the rebellion but only because he's gonna get paid to pay off his own debts to java that's the only reason he took the job in the first place and then that's the only reason he really came back to yeah. save luke i mean he got a fucking medal and then i mean he's sure he didn't get a medal he sure didn't nope. get a medal no bastard and i was trying to explain this to my girlfriend. Um we were watching, like, some top five, like, watch mojo thing of, like, or no, some, like, top ten thing of, like, uh, what the special edition, like, worst special edition edits right. of Star Wars. And the number one, far and away, was the Han and Greedo scene. Right. Number yeah, one. shooting Because I was trying to explain to her, like, the significance of Han shooting first instead of second. Because it basically defines him as this, I'm going to shoot you first and ask questions well, later. Ruthless.
2: Yeah, but... Did you ever hear like George? or uh yeah, George Lucas said that he always meant for Greedo to shoot oh, first? Horseshit. That's what he Fuck says. Fuck him. I don't know if it's true, but that's what he says. No, and that's kind of interesting if it's I don't, true. He didn't he wasn't thinking about yeah. it. He wasn't thinking about Just
3: that. like he meant for there to be uh, fucking five more movies. Bullshit. F- yeah, fuck oh, no, you. I'm sure about that. But,
2: <laughs> but it is kind of interesting, the special edition scene where they added Jabba, where there's actually a scene where he's talking to Jabba. Yeah, that's true. And that was a scene that was filmed, but they didn't have an idea of what Jabba was going to look like, and they cut it anyways for time or whatever. And they yeah. actually filmed it. And later added it in. And you don't it need kind it. Of interesting. You don't oh, yeah,
4: need it. You, you got to remember, this is back when George Lucas didn't have absolute control over everything. There were people, right, who, who were able to say no to him. <laughs> yeah. Back then, unlike you know when he filmed the prequel trilogy, where like he was just surrounded by yes men, and it was like, "Yeah, we'll have a character named Jar Jar in there. Sounds good to me. Yeah, my so, favorite character. Please don't fire me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's uh, he's he's just a... Uh, he's my
0: all-time favorite character from the star wars series of all the movies of all the comics of all the star wars legends he's just he's a very complex complex character that's he's lovable and he loves everybody around him but he's he's looking out for himself first most of the time most of the time yeah
4: he has the best line in all the movies in empire strikes back when he's about to be lowered into the carbonite freezing pit Prince Leia shouts out, like, I love you. And Han goes, I know.
0: And that's <laughs> no, an improvised line. I th- that makes me want to do top five improvised scenes in movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, well, You do that. Because Hans uh, Harrison Ford also has another one that would make my top yeah. five. That's in Indiana Jones, when there's supposed to be this big sword fight. Oh, and he shoots. And <laughs> he just shoots him. <laughs> yeah. Because so, like, he was, like, ill that day on shooting. He's like, Yeah, he so. was too
2: tired. Well, he also just said, like, why would I do that? I have a gun. Right. And <laughs> Steven Spielberg's like, yeah okay. <laughs> like, right. you know, right. Do that then. <laughs> I like
3: the way Family Guy uh, parodied that the "I know" bit, where he she says "I love you," and he goes "Fuck you." <laughs> 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 but yeah, John, you're right. That is the best uh, best line in
0: the entire series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's what this is. See that, John? You see what that? Is? Oh, nice! A nice little. Medallion. It's a necklace that says "I know." Cool. Anyway, nice. that's what that is. Uh, So this is a good time as any to take a break and we'll be back with our top two
1: auction prices at the dealership. Chrysler in Chicago where you pay bottom dollar for pre-owned automobiles. Chikadi Chrysler where you get the best prices and the best choices of a hand-picked inventory of great automobiles. And now you get even more at Chikadi Chrysler because now Chikadi Chrysler in Chicago will now match your tax return. We'll even do your taxes for you. That's right. It's like free money when Chikadi Chrysler matches your tax return up to $2,500. With financing on hand. With the best lender and the best price. Chikotty Chrysler will match your tax return up to $2,500. Inventory and fit, repos, lease returns, dealer trade-ins, and more. At Chikotty Chrysler at 823 West 73rd Street in Chicago. Across from Anthony's serious Chicago dogs. When all the dealers say no, I find the way to go. Take them from me, Ralphie Gicati in Chicago. Chicotti Chrysler in Chicago.
0: Welcome back, listener. You're about to hear our top two anti-heroes of all time. I'm gonna freak I'm gonna freak Robert out with my okay. number one.
4: Number one,
2: really. Yeah. We're, we're, Ooh,
3: let's just jump just... to number one right <laughs> okay, now. <yeah. laughs> we'll hit up number two afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, what's your number two? Uh, my number two comes from the world of television. Also Uh-oh. comes from the world of manga. Oh, okay. Shonen Jump. Uh, my character is from Dragon Ball Z, and his name is Vegeta. Nice. The uh, the Saiyan prince, Prince Vegeta, who is first introduced. Yeah, vagina. <laughs> who's, <laughs> who's? I can tell. Jonathan's ever heard of him. <laughs> who's first introduced uh in the yeah in the uh in the series as a uh antagonist. In fact the the Big Bad guy who comes to Earth to wish for mortal life with Dragon Balls. He uh just seems like the ultimate motherfucker when he comes to Earth. Yet uh as the series progresses, yeah, of course <laughs> When Jonathan's not interested in a topic, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks, something <laughs> he looks up something shit, gay yeah. porn. <laughs> Uh, he comes to Earth There's to a lot of it <laughs> or rather after he comes to Earth and after he battles with Goku, uh he uh fucking goes to uh Planet Namek, tries to do the same thing, battles with Frieza, ultimately sacrifices himself to uh to to save I think he saved like Gohan or something. But yeah, man. But
2: I never know. got into Dragon Ball Z, but my friends were always talking about it like back in middle school. Same
0: stuff. here. My my friends were like super, super into it. Right but like and I, I like i've sat down and they like explained it to me and like i've sat down and like watched it chrono- uh chronologically I, I i couldn't get it
2: yeah i never i never i never even really gave it a shot i mean maybe i could have gotten
4: into it i just never did it's it was basically a soap opera for boys yeah, yeah. basically cuz like every I get episode like the whole Saiyan, like super Saiyan level well the thing million. is like the whole appeal of the show was that like the main character he was all I mean, it's your classic hero story where he's trying right. to like better himself to or to overcome the obstacle. Like, every story arc had the main character, Goku, just try to become stronger. You know, he had to become Super Saiyan. Super Saiyan level 2. Or, like, you know, whatever. And Vegeta was basically one of his first main obstacles. And, that, you know, as the series went on, I felt kind of bad for him, because he just kind of, like,
3: it was like always clear. Fiddle.
4: He was second fiddle to Goku. And it was just like, but he was a cool character. You know, he was always, like,
3: he had a clear motive.
4: Like right. he basically wanted to be the king of all Saiyans, it's just it, it just didn't really. Well, his to me. motive
3: starts off as being okay. I want eternal life, and then once he realized he wasn't going to get that, now he's like, well, I want to be better than Goku, and that's his that's his entire motivation throughout the rest of the series. He's never interested. He ends up like fucking and marrying Boma and has a kid mm-hmm. and everything, but still at the end of the day, like at the like towards the end of the series, he has a chance. He's like, hey, uh, like uh, this wizard Bobby, he offers him a chance to say, hey. Uh, you can. We'll make you evil again. We'll give you some powers, and you can fight Goku. He's like, really? Yeah, fuck it. I'll I'll do it and fight some. <laughs> just just because. Like, why? You've got a family and everything to look out for. You just d- you just know. gonna go evil again? Yeah, I want to beat him. Oh, okay. Sure. Why do
0: you go blonde when he goes Super Saiyan? Uh, I don't
3: know. I don't know. It's Looks thing. cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. it goes up. You know. I <laughs> should. <actually>, I'll. <laughs> Well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was into it when I was when I was a young man. I've Allison only I
4: I've, I've only ever guy. watched the show. I've never read the uh the comic. Never
3: did, neither did I. I always watch the
0: show. We have a mutual friend, some uh better friend than others to some people that has his hair like that now. Who? <laughs> I don't want to say it on the microphone. <laughs> all right, all right, we'll talk
2: about it after.
0: Here I'll write it then. Okay. But yeah. And every time I see him on Facebook or something, I it makes me laugh.
3: Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? It's over 9,000! What, 9,000? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I haven't even, I haven't I'm not even there. friends with that person on Facebook anymore. You're not? Oh. No, they, they unfriended me. Well, he made a new Facebook
2: page. That's oh, why. I was
3: assigning a gender to it, Robert.
2: My bad. <laughs> All right, she... <laughs> your pen lights up. He or she. Yeah, I know. You're welcome. This is <laughs> Anyways, your pen? Yeah. What? Yeah.
3: Whoa. Oh, a nice pen. Thank you and That pen just went like super saiyan. Yeah. Uh, top <laughs> five <is>. pens.
4: <laughs> it's it, over 9,000. Yeah, would I, that
3: I, be in your top five pens? I get the knocks on this the show. It's one. definitely such a ridiculous, dumb show. They spend all day, all, all show grunting. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and No, I always wanted to get into it. I just never. It was a cool show. Time. It's. it's there's I that, guess it's. It, it, there's I, that, oh, go ahead. It, it has to hit you at the right time as, as far as like. I was an adolescent and it was it's you know, people fighting and it's an easy drama to understand, so
4: I watched it when it was on the Toonami block on Cartoon Network. Yeah. I think that's when everybody watched it. But there's that classic joke, how many Dragon Ball characters does it take to change the light bulb? It only takes one, but it takes ten episodes, ten to, episodes do to do it. Ten episodes to do it,
3: yeah. <laughs> nice. I, that used to piss me off. It's like we, we've done nothing this episode. Like there's nothing the plas moved zero. Yeah. It's all exposition or not even exposition. It's just them kinda like Sounds it like some just like standing around a little bit, out, yeah. yeah, just hanging out. <laughs> Pretty much, uh, Robert. What's your number two? My number
2: two. Uh, I'll give you a hint. What do you think of when you say Martini shaken, not stirred?
3: Ooh, I think of uh, Derby Lane and the uh, fine cocktails that they have available. Cocktail waitresses named Vegeta. <laughs> <laughs> Vegeta, yeah. I think it yeah. was just vagina, Robert. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, vagina is actually what it is.
2: Vagina. I think Chewbacca. Chewbacca, (laughs) Harry, cocktail, (laughs) super scion waitresses. Um, No, James Bond. Uh, I'm going with James Bond, basically, because James Bond's my favorite film franchise, and uh, it's kind of weird, like, as an anti-hero, you can argue that with some of the movies, because there's some movies where he is just, like, a hero. Like a straight hero. He's a straight hero. Especially, like, Roger Moore era, he's very, like, almost... Comical superheroish, yeah. yeah. Like he can't get hurt. Like he's just gonna he's just do jumping over alligators, good. and he's always saving the day, and parasailing and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, and uh but especially with the newer entries, or even the Sean Connery era, like he's he's a lot darker.
1: Yes, considerably.
2: Kind of a bastard. And and in the the novels, which I've read a lot of the Anne Fleming novels. He's he's not like this handsome guy like the movies make him out to be, and that's why a lot of people think Timothy Dalton is the best incarnation of James Bond because he's not really handsome. He actually has a scar on his face right. throughout the novels. Scarface. He's Scarface. <laughs> he's the original
3: Scarface. Okay. <laughs> and Dalton was kind of a mo- he was a, he was a fucking he was a motherfucker in, in his two uh, in his two movies his he's two two movies, not yeah. he's not
2: like the best. Yeah, but you can even go Daniel Craig era and like I I think the best. The best way to look at it as him being an antihero is in Skyfall when he lets that girl get shot. I
0: was gonna say I thought that Skyfall was, was...
2: artists like that when I saw that scene, I was like, like they really went dark with the whole James Bond thing, is he lets that one girl get shot by Silva, which was Javier Bardem. And he does that so then Javier Bardem doesn't have a bullet to fire at him, and he kind of then is able to, like, shoot the other bad guys and then capture Bardem. So, like, it makes sense, but it's also, like, he let this girl die, which is something that wouldn't have happened in, like, the Roger Moore era unless it was she was a bad girl. She wasn't really bad. She was just, like.
3: it's like It was some sort of cue device. Sean Clarence would let her die. Sean Connery, oh yeah, might have died. <laughs> and yeah but not Roger Moore. Wait,
4: which movie was it where like oh he gosh. was making out with the chick, then out uh, of the corner of his eye he sees like a a gunman, then he just uses the girl as a shield? Yeah, that was Goldfinger. <laughs> nice.
2: Yeah, he uses the girl, but she set him up, so she was an <laughs> asshole, so that, she deserved that. Still pretty pimping. Although I will say that uh, Roger Moore also did do that in one episode where or one movie where. Uh, he saw a guy coming out and, like, turned the girl, and she ended up getting shot. Wait, which <laughs> one so was this? It was uh, Spy Who that... Loved Me. Yeah, Spy, yeah. Okay. Spy Who Loved Me. And uh, and there's even a Roger Moore where he kicks a bad guy off of a cliff. And Roger Moore, during shooting that, said, like, hey, this isn't the type of James Bond I do. He's like, I don't think my James Bond would do that. And they're like, just do it. Look, I'm a gentleman. Can we yeah, at least have yeah. a scene where I go give him a tea at the
3: end? <laughs> nope. It was,
2: he kicks the car off the ledge. uh and like the bad guy dies. And so I mean like even in the Roger Moore era, he is anti hero ish just not as much as I'd say Daniel Craig,
4: Timothy Dalton, or even Connery. You know, you know, Robert, like I remember a conversation we had a while ago. Like I remember telling you, like, I like James Bond when he's just allowed to be a spy. Right. Like when it's on him to save the world, he's not a spy anymore. He's, no, he's basically a superhero. Superhero. he's a superhero. Kind of yeah. like die another day. Yeah. Or, like yeah. any those movies. But like in the movies where, like, the stakes aren't high and, like, all he has to do is just to recover, like, you know, from Russia with love, like, the, uh, the Soviet, like... Uh, yeah, that Kodak, thing, or
2: whatever it was.
4: The yeah, coder. He, he wasn't, like, uh, like, it wasn't all on his shoulders. Like, he was just allowed to, you know, to do what, you know, spies do best, basically lie, you know, cheat. That's why I think the earlier James Bond movies are really good. And, you know, spies kind of fit the anti-hero role really well yeah so yeah jace bond when he's at his best in my opinion is one of the best anti-heroes yeah i think
2: so, so. that's why he made number two almost number one but not quite Ooh, who could be i'm one? curious of what number one is oh it's a good one yoshi yep
0: it's, it's <laughs> pikachu <Yoshi.
4: laughs> john you're number two okay number two i so i'm the first person who's going into the world of sports Ooh, uh, interesting. So there's like a lot to choose from, and a Pete lot of Rose. People, yeah, Not actually, Pete. a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people can make the argument, like you know Pete Rose or like you know Christian Leitner or like the Bad Boys of the Detroit Pistons. They would have made it better antiheroes than my pick, oh, Dennis that really Rodman. Says. Nope. The, my anti-hero for number two is Randy Moss.
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Randy Moss. So I know
4: what you're saying. Like, oh, well, it's basically like a recency bias. John, that, that is a
3: disgusting up. act that you just committed there. Luke. I Listen.
4: <laughs> Look at this I, fucking I just, thug, dude. I, I love watching him, like, when he was at his best or basically when he cared. Yeah. What makes him a great anti-hero is that he basically took a lot of plays off.
3: Yeah, he used to you say know, like I don't, I, I don't go full speed. Like, I don't plays. go
4: full speed. Like you see a lot of plays when he's supposed to be like you know drawing the defenders off, when he's just like kind of jogging, or like you know you can tell like he just doesn't really care like half the game. <laughs> yeah, and like you know he also has like kind of a behavior problem. Like there's that infamous you know time when he was at Lambeau Field and he pretended to move and like the fans there.
1: For a touchdown. And Randy Moss, without even really being able to run, as he shoots the moon to the fans here in Green Bay. That, that is a disgusting act by Randy Moss.
4: Like, that was great. And, uh, that was, that was, that he's was been, more on Joe
3: Buck than, yeah, than Randy Moss. He's
4: been fine multiple times. But here's the thing, though. If the game is on the line, your season is riding on this last play. There's no one else you want to throw it to, really. When Randy Moss actually cares yeah. He can't be stopped. He's the fastest person in the field. He has a very high football IQ, which is always underrated. And he can always come down with the ball somehow. You know? Yeah,
3: he was uh I hated him,
4: but I liked watching him. Yeah. yeah that
3: season when he was with the Patriots and they went sixteen and one or whatever it was, nineteen and one. That was incredible. Gross incredible oh, he that's he gave it he gave his shit so much that season that they fucking almost went undefeated Bill
4: Belichick said he was one of the smartest players he's ever coached so really yeah. was that yeah. like wow. three that years was, ago? It was
3: 2008 oh, eight. I think
4: well yeah I when he was with the Vikings and he would just he was just tearing it up he had Chris Carter quote-unquote mentoring him oh bullshit and you know when it was just I, I think he's the best wide receiver in history when he cares <laughs> Which is the thing. Yeah, he
3: he didn't care a
4: lot. Which is what makes him an hero Like, he just kind of, he just really cares more about himself. Like, he just, like, yeah. you know, he just does what he wants when he wants. But when he's on, like, it's, there's no question. If yeah. he had Jerry Rice's work ethic, it would just be.
3: Oh, yeah, he'd be the greatest ever. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a good one, That's actually. a great one. Yeah. That's a really good one. <laughs> no, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Good one,
0: John. You this is your first good one, one in a long time.
3: Oh. <laughs> Keep it up.
4: <laughs>
0: I will. My number two comes from the uh, hmm, the world of television. A lot of people saw this as my number one, but I'm going to surprise everybody. I've got a big poster of them right on my fucking wall in my... Fucking studio, David Hasselhoff. Yeah, David Hasselhoff. <laughs> yeah. and it Man, says he's on
2: Baywatch. He and it says,
0: save all girl. those girls. <laughs> and it says the world is yours. No, it says I'll yeah. hail the king. Say my name. Welcome to the
2: world of Walter White because it is his world. You're goddamn right, Brian
3: Cranston. We're just living in it. We're just living in Malcolm it. Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: the dad from Malcolm in the Middle. Brian <laughs> Cranston the dad from Malcolm in the Middle. middle.
3: What Whatever happened to the dad from Malcolm in the Middle? He became Walter White. He became a drug dealer. (laughs) (laughs) What? That's him. That's the dad from Malcolm in the Middle. He does what? A show?
2: I can't believe... I don't know what you're doing right now. (laughs) (laughs) Trolling. (laughs) Uh,
0: Walter White is from a show called... uh, You may have heard it. Breaking Bad. uh, Which somebody was arguing that... Somebody said that The Sopranos is the greatest drama ever made for television. I would argue that this would be. But... Again, I yeah. haven't seen The Sopranos. Uh, Walter White is the absolute epitomization of an antihero. He, this is all in the first season, so don't get your panties in a bunch if you haven't seen it. Um, he gets diagnosed with lung cancer. He decides, hey, I'm a high school uh, chemistry teacher, and I just found an end to this eh, Bush League uh, m- meth game. I'm smart enough where I can actually make meth. I'm going to be dead in six months anyway. So let's just start making meth as fast and as much as possible, sell it. And then when I die, I can leave my family uh, covered all the funeral costs. They'll be set for, you know, not life, but they'll be set enough to, like, where they have enough time to get back on their feet. And he just keeps on making it, making it, making it. And he makes all this money. And then all of a sudden, boom, he goes into remission. So now what does he do? Yeah. Now he's stuck. Uh, so then you know he basically tries to get out of the game. He can't. So he gets further and further and further into this underworld, uh, and then he decides, you know what, fuck this. I'm going I'm not gonna be a part of the underworld. I'm going to run it. Yeah. And he starts essentially uh, calling the shots, and he starts using aliases. And he decides, like, you can never tell. This is what's beautiful about this character. At any given moment, you can never tell why he's doing it. Is it his own ego or is it because of his family? And what's beautiful from season, there's only five seasons. From, what's beautiful about this character from season one to season five is that the further you get along into the season or into the series, more there's more chance than not he's doing it for his ego. Yeah. He gets I so far so. departed from what he, why he originally started it. And now he eventually he gets to make all this. He he he's running the game. He's taking every he's taken everybody out who used to run the game. He has millions upon millions upon millions of dollars, him and his partner, both each. He there's no way that they would not be set for life. And yet, he still wants more
2: because there's a lot of times where he could have just walked away with like one point five million, and there he's like, no, it's not enough. Like it was more like the name and the recognition and all that kind of stuff.
0: And what's cool is that he gives a fuck less and less and less. Like there's there's moments like where you know the majority of the series, like he's hiding this underworld from his family and everybody around him, and then all of a sudden his his brother in law who happens to be in the DEA. Picks up a duffel bag, and he goes, what do you got in there? A dead body? And straight as fucking lace, he looks at his fucking DEA brother-in-law and says, half a million in cash. Yeah, And that's what he really does have in the duffel bag. And he's right. going, oh, my God, what the fuck is he doing?
3: Yeah.
0: And almost like he wants to get caught. There's yeah.
3: another moment like that in, in the final season where his wife asks him. He's got, he's got dust all over his jeans, and his wife asks him, what are you doing, burying bodies? He's like robbing a train.
2: <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly, and
0: it's um, it's it's just a it's a very cool character.
3: Yeah, um, but by, by class by if we're going by the classic archetypes, Vince Gilligan he said he said multiple times, and I think he said it towards the beginning of the show that he's the the point the whole point of Breaking Bad is to take the protagonist and make him into the antagonist. Yeah, that's
2: uh, what they did
3: by the end of the sh- and he, by the end of the show, he's he's clearly the antagonist. Hank, his brother, is the protagonist of. Uh, of that story, that particular story, but from our point of view, we're still kind of rooting for Walt. Isn't yeah. that crazy? Yeah.
0: Even even in his most despicable moments, you're still on his side. Yep. Yeah, Because you can kind of relate to it.
2: Yep. Yeah, he's on my honorable mentions because I, I think he's like, he definitely is like the, especially like a newer anti-hero in drama, like television drama, definitely one of the best.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, he's always one step ahead of everybody else. Yeah. And yeah. You, and he and he leads you to believe that he's not. Yeah. He's he's the smartest character in the entire series. He's got them brains. Yeah.
4: What he, about Walt Jr.? <laughs>
3: Walt yeah. Jr. is the real mastermind <laughs> Yeah. yeah Stop
0: messing tonight. around.
2: <laughs>
4: yeah. P- <Big> dads. <laughs> Stop messing around. You guys joke, but he
3: was my favorite character. <laughs> he's good. <laughs> really? <laughs> C- call me Flyn. <laughs> yeah. Now on. Hold on. We got there's some good ones out there. Oh <laughs>
0: Jesse, we have to
2: cook Walt Jr. breakfast. (laughs) There's so many (laughs) breakfast scenes in that fucking. That's true. There was a lot. (laughs) Anyway. He made the happy face pancakes. What a fag. (laughs) (laughs) Wakes up in a new Bugatti. No no breakfast. breakfast. (laughs) He loved his breakfast. (laughs) He loved it, man.
4: I like breakfast too.
2: Yeah, it's my favorite meal.
0: Playback uh, music. So, what could be my number one? What could be my number one? Oh, interesting. Well, before we get to my number one, let's get to Kyle's number one. Let's do that. Can, can we guess it? Can we guess it? Hot. You're not going to guess
3: it. All right. Probably All right. Not, nah. Try. G- give it a shot. Is it from
2: TV, movies, y- or video games? Literature. Oh, literature. What's one of Kyle's favorite? Great and, Gatsby. And Gatsby. Movies. Gatsby. <laughs> Gatsby.
3: There's well there, there that is a uh, a piece of literature that was turned into a movie but no that is not who it is uh, I'm talking about a, a more contemporary novel uh and more contemporary movies uh this is a uh a character Ooh. who you assume the entire time has bad intentions and in fact up until the very end it seems that this guy is uh is the bad guy and he's done something terrible uh, and it 's not until the final pages of the book that you realize that he has actually uh the entire time been working with harry potter and i 'm talking about wow. Severus Snape oh it's uh, is my number one anti hero the entire book the entire series of books you assume that he's he 's the bad guy, and in fact, in the first book, he seems like the clear bad guy, and he 's always out to get harry Potter and there 's always sort of these uh, you know inklings into the fact that he's uh, you never quite know whose side he's on until the end of Half-Blood Prince where, spoiler like he kills Dumbledore, kills him in cold blood right in front of Harry Potter. And you're like, oh, well, that's it. He's a, He's been a bad guy this whole time. It's finally been revealed. He's actually a Death Eater, and his allegiances lie with Voldemort. Not the case. Because you find out towards the end of the book that he's had this unrequited love with Lily Potter, his mother, mm. uh, and has is, is, is always been in love with her since uh, they were in grade school. Uh, and uh, they he has this line at the end of the movie where Dumbledore asks him, he's, he's he's in, and it's in the movie, I don't know, I can't remember if it's in the book, but uh, Snape, played by Alan Rickman, says, you're raising R. him, R. At, like, R.I.P. R. 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 <laughs> Rickman, yeah, I he says you're you're raising him like a lamb to slaughter, uh, and Dumbledore says, "Do you, do you really care this much about the boy? You never knew that you really had these feelings towards him." And he summons his Patronus, which, if you don't, if you're not familiar with uh, what a Patronus is, it's basically, uh, it's basically an animal that's sort of close to you, and his happens to be the same as Harry Potter's mother, Lily. Which Dumbledore realizes that he's still in love with Lily Potter, and he says, "After all this time." So that was the one thing that J.K. Rowling that came out after Alan Rickman's death. They said that that's the one thing that she told him, and it's, I don't know, it's the the way that it was crafted and and, and brought up through the story. It was very clever, and uh, it's a good moment, great moment when you when it all when all the pieces finally click into place and you realize its name's been working. And, For the good guys the whole time. Spoiler alert. Jesus (laughs) Christ.
2: I read read the first book, and I haven't seen any of the movies. I was was going to read those.
3: (laughs) Had some really nerdy picks this one, but whatever. It's okay. Were you inspired, though? That's... that's. Yeah.
2: Robert. All right. Numero uno. number one. All right. Well, this guy, he's... He's always down on his luck. He doesn't have the best life. You already did George Costanza. Now... (laughs) He is another comedy icon for me. He's got, you know, receding hairline. George Costanza. He works all day, all day as a freaking shoe salesman. Poor guy, and he comes home to his wife and kids and none of them really care about anybody. The kids fight all the time. Right. And basically Jonathan Googled the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Ted Bundy. <laughs> it's another Bundy. What and it's fu- <laughs> What the
3: fuck is his name? Although Ted Bundy maybe an antihero for some. <laughs> yeah, 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 For some. <laughs> Look, hey, but not the Bundy Somewhere somewhere for. somebody somewhere fucking was sick of those those ladies' shit. So uh Yeah, yeah
2: so they he's their <laughs> anti He matters into his own hands. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm gonna go with a different Bundy and I'm gonna go with
0: what are you doing, man? <laughs> Our camera is the first name. Al
2: Bundy. <laughs> That's where we go. God damn. Al Bundy is my ultimate antihero. Just everything about him. He's just like this down on the luck guy. He just wants to go home and watch TV after a long day of work. He hates being a shoe salesman. He hates his life. And you always root for him. He, and he's always got like these get rich quick schemes or these just great things that are going to happen to him. And by the end of the episode, it just always goes wrong. And for some reason, you always kind of root for him. <laughs> And, like, I mean, even the audience, like, the, you know, the studio audience just cracking up and, like, hoping, like, everything happens. And then, like, it just never works out for him. Never works out for him. And I just think, like, that's, like, the greatest, one of my favorite sitcoms. I think one of the greatest sitcoms. And uh, so, so many great lines. One of my favorites is just, like, Peggy coming in saying, like,
1: Hi, honey. <laughs> Did you miss me?
2: With every bullet so far. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff <laughs> that's like so great and so iconic of Al Bundy, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, he loves his psycho dad, and uh, I I don't know. I just I love the the fact that he's he's a horrible person. He's mean to everybody. He's mean to the neighbors, and um, he gets along with like you know Marcy's husband Steve, and and. Marcy's new husband Jefferson later on, but like even then, like they kind of screw each other all the time. He's not like or screw over each other all the time. They never like he doesn't really care for anybody. But There's never been a show like
3: Married with Children. I don't so think so. You I know, think what's crazy
2: <coughs> is it, that it doesn't
4: work. They wouldn't be able to make this show today. Yeah, yeah. it would just offend so. too many people.
2: Yeah. Oh, they made fun of fat people. They made fun of <laughs> gay people. They made fun of like just all kinds, like just everybody. And it's just like, yeah, for some reason, I don't think it would work today. It was just set. such a
3: strange show.
2: It was. But it really, really was. It's. But that's what's. I don't know. Just something about it is like, the fact that like I feel like even the writers like they didn't care like what they what they did like they would just no. try to get away with stuff and just and they, they did it. and they, they, they did definitely they got away, did. they got away with it and like yeah I just think Al Bundy is just like I don't know just something about him is like you want him to succeed you want like you want like him to be like the name on the scoreboard of the high school football arena where he, like, <laughs> scored four touchdowns in a single game. But then something happens, and it doesn't happen. Like, he doesn't get it. He never gets what he wants. And, uh, yeah, you're always rooting for him. But he's he's an asshole. So what
4: do you say <clears throat> to those people that he's uh, <laughs> a carbon copy of Archie Bunker?
3: Uh, Fuck them people. I don't think so. You I come think... say that to Robert's face. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you come
2: down here to my house at – this is the address. No. <laughs> Yeah. Um I think Archie Bunker is definitely in the same wheelhouse as an Al Bundy. Like obviously Archie Bunker was first and Al Bundy came around later, but like I don't know, there's something about Al Bundy that like sticks out. I think it's a lot he's a lot more comical with the way he goes about things even though like Archie Bunker's almost like a serious kind of like hatred towards people whereas Bundy, like Al Bundy, just makes fun of people and he really doesn't care. Like Marcy and Steve still come over to their house all the time, even though he hates Marcy. (laughs) And like they fight all the time. And I think one of the greatest scenes that like had me like crying laughing is when like Marcy is upset that she's gonna lose Jefferson, her newer husband. And Al Bundy like gives her a list of 10 things that she can do to fix like her attractiveness. And it's like, it's the funniest list ever. Like, I, it's like, like the things he puts on there because he always calls her a chicken.
1: Number 10, wear traditional Islamic garb covering all but the eyes. <laughs> Number nine, feather removing electrolysis. <laughs> Number eight, ski mask. <laughs> Number seven, sew up holes in ski masks. Number six, hire attractive woman to stand in front of you at all times. (laughs) Number five, beak job. (laughs) Number four, put paper bag over ski mask. (laughs) Number three, shave head, tattoo Cindy Crawford's face on back of head. (laughs) Learn to walk backwards. Number two, poke out eyes of every man on earth. (laughs) Number one, get president to make every day Halloween. (laughs) I was like crying laughing. Get the president to make
2: every day Halloween. Like that's like, (laughs) like that shit is just so, it was like the best scene I've seen in like a sitcom ever. Like that, that whole like just rant of his. But yeah, I don't know. I think he's like, he's my favorite anti-hero.
3: Nice.
4: inspired yep cool.
3: john you're number one
4: Love it. uh i'm gonna stay in the world of tv there's a show on comedy central it's been around for a while the it's an animated show it's about a group of kind of grade oh, school boys shit.
3: why did i fucking think of this
4: uh there's kyle oh yeah yeah there's I was kenny gonna... nice there's stan and my pick for the number one <laughs> anti-hero Eric Cartman. Oh, not Butters.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, not Butters. <laughs> butters Cotch.
4: <laughs> Fuck um, that I,
3: that should have been on my goddamn list. I didn't even th- <laughs> I didn't even think of it. Fuck, that's a
4: good pick. If somehow you've never heard of this show or watched this show, Eric Cartman is kind of the asshole of this bunch. He's <laughs> he's basically he's the best character. George Costanza times a thousand. Oh yeah. Basically, oh, yeah. he's in it for himself. Every Always. single time. Yep. He doesn't really care about his friends. He just wants to use his friends <laughs> as a means to his own ends. The, yep. There's a lot of plot lines I can list, but I think the most infamous one is when he gets his revenge on Scott Teneman. Scott Teneman. Oh, my God. Oh, basically, he Scott Teneman does like a very trivial slight against him, and Cartman takes it very seriously. <laughs> so he... <laughs> <laughs> he basically put Scott through like uh, basically just through a whole episode where Scott is like, "Oh, okay, I'll just play along." But like basically, Cartman fed Scott Tetterman his parents in <laughs> yeah. a yeah. bowl of chili, <laughs> yeah. and That's Eric terrible. Cartman was licking the tears off of Scott's oh, face. Let me your right. tears, Scott. Mm, your tears are so yummy and sweet, dude. I think it might be best for us to never piss Cartman off again. Good call. Oh, the tears of unfathomable sadness. This is really dark,
3: yeah. but it's I'm really glad he did it. It's yeah. amazing. Fuck, this is what a great one. I love. I was my favorite one of. It's like more recent. It's where he, where Kyle sees all these commercials for crack babies on TV, and it's like the the to the uh, Sarah McLachlan music, and he's like, God damn it, what what is this? So he goes to volunteer at the hospital, sees Cartman there. He's like, "What is Cartman doing here?" Follows Cartman back and finds out that Cartman's running the whole racket to do crack baby basketball, so he can profit off of video games and build universities. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like this whole—it's sort of this whole uh, uh, commentary on the NCAA system. Uh, but it was just a genius to watch Cartman walk into the to the office of uh, of a uh, uh, athletic director and talk about uh, buying his slaves from him. <laughs> and he's
1: like, "You have some mighty strong looking workers here, sir. I'd be willing to offer you forty dollars for two of the white ones and fifty for the blacks." Are you referring to our student athletes? Student athletes. Oh, that is brilliant, zap.
2: <laughs>
0: my, my favorite, uh, my favorite Cartman moment is when he was awesome o five thousand.
1: That's, yeah.
2: what I was, that's what I was gonna say That one Because he like He's just like Damn it Like he has to keep Being the awesome Of 5000 He's
0: like Hungry He's eating toothpaste Like
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just to
0: play just A big prank to Keep doing it Yeah Just to play A big prank On butters Like he's like Starves himself And lives in a cardboard box yep. That makes him look Like but a robot But the
3: fucking Government like <laughs> Like finds him <them laughs> So they can like Operate him They don't realize It's a kid in a box <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, he uh that's very good. The collateral damage around Carbon, just the amount of people that have died <laughs> in like his schemes. Oh
2: yeah. It's great. Oh
3: man. Yeah, what a great pick. Yeah. Yeah, it's
0: a perfect pick.
2: <laughs> it's great. Uh
0: does anybody care to take my I guess my number one? It's from comic books.
2: I really thought it was Walter White, but oh comic books? Yeah. You may not get it. It's uh Captain America
4: It, it
0: has a huge nostalgic uh factor for me.
2: Venom. There, there you man. go. Got it. Venom? Venom. Venom's just the villain. No, he's not. He's an antihero.
0: He's uh. a straight up antihero. Straight up. Straight up napdale me. Really he's the lethal protector. He's the lethal protector. Lethal. Uh he's uh taken many forms, uh, but we'll go with the classic form of Venom. Uh back in nineteen eighty two. For uh, Marvel's 300th episode or 300th issue of The Amazing Spider Man, he introduced uh, Eddie Brock into the story, which was another photographer at the Daily Bugle. Uh, Could say he was the anti Peter Parker. And at this point, uh, Spider Man had acquired his new suit, which was the Black Symbiote uh, suit that he acquired from The Secret Wars. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I sound like a giant fucking nerd. It's cause I am, but that's okay. Uh, but basically it goes like this, uh, the symbiote that he, um, acquired from the secret wars from a different planet, basically attached himself to Peter Parker, Spider-Man, and sort of started changing him into this like darker version of Peter Parker. Cause it kind of like, it takes you on as a host and then it kind of like infects you and infects like the way you want to do things. Mm. Uh, infects your motivations and shit. So Peter Parker gets a wind of this. He's had the suit for about fifty issues at this point and says, "Fuck this, I don't want this suit anymore." Meanwhile, Eddie Brock is on the this case following Spider Man, the black black suited Spider Man. Uh, in a raging fit to try and get the suit off, um, he goes to the top of a clock or a bell tower, stands in front of the uh, the bell because the symbiote is uh, prone to. Uh, Sound so waves. Large, just, sound, yeah. sound waves. Sonic Boom. Um, does his little mojo, and then the symbiote basically says, Well, fuck this, Peter Parker guy. Um, falls and uh, hosts itself with Eddie Brock. And Eddie Brock from there becomes the lethal protector of Venom. Yeah. Now, what makes him an anti hero is that he's not a bad guy. Eddie Brock is good in nature. He always wa- kind of wants to do the right thing because he understands what kind of power he has. Not that the symbiote has attached itself to him, but he fucking hates having it. So there he always has this begrudging rivalry with Spider-Man where he holds Spider-Man responsible for turning him into what he has become. Um, What's very cool is that he is one of the very few Marvel villains, if you want to call him a villain, that actually started getting his own issues. Yeah. Um, Because he was so popular. Um, What was very cool about this story was that even though Spider-Man and Venom were very, very much at at each other's throats, there was one one event in the Marvel history that brought the two together to fight side by side to fight a greater power. And that was Maximum Carnage. Uh. Yeah. So that's very cool. Uh, you know, to see two rivals fight each other, but what I but I really like about this guy is that he's super, super dark. Um, he's always fighting for the greater good, but he'll take really drastic measures to do it. Kind of like he's like a he's like an alien version of the Predator, or uh, not Predator, uh, the Punisher. Yeah, like he'll have no qualms about basically decapitating somebody using just his. Jaw, like basically biting his head off. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it has a very nostalgic. I read it as a kid. I I've remember, always. Of, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I just uh, I've always attached myself to this character specifically, and uh, it's cool that he's has gotten a few resurgences now in in like 2013 and 2014, and
4: mm-hmm.
0: it just it keeps getting better. So,
4: I remember back in the 90s, that was when he was kind of hit like his peak. Yeah, it was popular. Like there were. Like you said, Venom issues everywhere. Like he had like, his own action figures, probably more so than Spider-Man. Yeah, and it was just like something about this character. I remember Todd McFarlane. Venom was kind of one of his claims to fame, because like I think he was one of the people who helped kind of design the Venom character.
0: Mm-hmm. And it was. Something I mean, like, he, it's straight out of you know H.R. Uh, Geiger.
4: Yeah, there's there's something very appealing about having your dark side physically manifests as like this awesome looking suit with like really scary looking things and like to any like young oh not just any young person just like any guy like that's just like there's something very appealing about that
0: yeah it's i mean eddie brock by himself uh you know he was a convicted felon but he wasn't like a bad dude i mean he 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 embodied good But what brought the evil out in him was the suit. And it wasn't like it was up to him, Eddie Brock, as half of this character to try and hold that at bay as much as possible while still trying to manifest the strength and the powers that the suit gave him. He was a very, very troubled, very troubled character, especially now that um, like uh, Rickman has taken over the writing for Venom. um, And it's not Eddie Brock anymore, but it's now Flash Thompson. Uh, who is this Agent Venom, and he's got very dark alcoholic tendencies, and, and like, it's just... It's super fucking dark, and, like, sexually abused as a kid, and, like,
1: oh, yeah. like he's
0: trying to, like, yeah, keep too. all of those emotions at bay, but the suit, like, wants to bring it out in him, and yeah. sometimes the suit wins and completely takes control over him, and he can't control it anymore. Yeah. Until, like... It's it's very it's a very cool character. A lot of struggle.
4: Were you nice. happy with Topher Grace <laughs> portraying him in Spartan? What do you do it think? <laughs> I'm surprised. I thought he
0: was Perfect. Th- I am so yeah. surprised that they haven't done this character justice in a movie yet. Uh. And yeah. and, and how the fuck have they not done a Carnage? Yeah.
4: Yeah. Too I much
0: blood. Too dark. Too dark. Probably. They've done hard Carnage art for video
4: games. You know? Yeah. They have. So.
0: I have maximum carnage for Sega at my house if you want to come over here. <laughs> <for it. laughs> really?
3: I did not think yeah. Topher Grace did a bad job. It's just...
2: Uh, uh, the movie the, in general yeah, is The movie in like general like, is
3: bad. Plus, the, the cry, I don't think he needed a crying scene this like is, everybody no. else. This everybody is, had, everybody had a
0: crying scene. This is what Eddie Brock is supposed to be.
4: No. No. Eh, he looks like a Topher Grace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could totally see Eric Foreman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Where, where's, He's
4: about right.
0: Come on, where are you? Yeah, here you <laughs> go. Here's a good one. Yeah.
2: Topher Grace. That's Topher, not Topher yeah. Grace.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, well, if out. you have
2: to pick a, Yeah, if you have to pick a That 70s show character, you're going to pick...
3: Topher Grace. I'd pick Forman. me on Kudas. Yeah.
2: yeah. She'd make a great Venom.
3: Yeah, let's see you get rid of that symbiote. Yeah. She Venom. Oh, she yeah. Venom. Uh, are, you, are any of you fans of old Spider-Man?
0: Like, do you know who Gwen Stacy is?
2: Oh Yeah. Yeah, yeah I used to... I, I read a lot of the... Earlier issues of Spider Man, like the amazing adventures of Spider Man. Yeah. Nice.
3: Right.
0: At some point somebody time. uh turned her into boobies. Gwen Stacy Venom.
2: Gwen Stacy Venom. She's pretty hot. She, that was when she got married to Venom. She no. became Mrs. Venom. <laughs> she didn't become <laughs> Mrs. Venom. Gwen Stacy Venom.
4: Gwen Stacy Venom. No, she yeah. becomes Mrs. Dead. Yeah. Oh. So, oh, Snap that neck,
2: baby. Boom. Shit, shit.
4: No. That's a pretty good pick actually. He's yeah. probably more of an anti-hero than Punisher is.
0: You think so? I think I think Punisher is it's a really close. A really good one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know who It's close, but I
4: you know Venom might be more of an anti-hero.
0: Why do you say that?
4: Cuz he's just uh <clears throat> like he doesn't think he's doing bad things. Like, he's just like, think he's doing good. Whereas, no, 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 Frank Castle, Venom, right? no Venom.
3: no, yeah. no, no, uh, antagonist thinks they're doing wrong.
4: Yeah. That's well, true. Frank Castle, like, he just, he knows what he's doing, like, is outside the law, but he's going to do it anyway.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Just, uh, just one of my all time favorite comic book characters, but he just happens to be an anti hero. That's why I like anti heroes so much. Nice. Uh, not a lot of crossover, if any. Did we get any crossover? Not
2: no. Really? no, no, no. At wow,
0: at all. That's
4: that's very I
3: tried to. Pref- I tried to. Me pick and Kyle them.
2: picked Watchmen, but that's yeah. different characters. A lot so of comic
4: book uh, characters. Yeah, that's so
3: good. I intentionally tried to, to avoid that. Not yeah, pick same here. I
0: like. I like. I like that we're in the comic books like that.
4: Um, I was hoping we get like one music pick. I want. I was trying to think of a music pick, but I couldn't think of any. Yeah, really.
3: Yeah, I can't think of or anybody, of anybody
4: that could talk about. I would
2: have to think about it for a while. Yeah, do some uh, research.
3: The girl in uh, uh, Scary Spice No,
2: uh, <laughs> I know. Great, uh, the Escape one. Oh my um, god! Okay. Uh, like we're not pina coladas. Yeah, the guy. The guy. Yeah, he's, he's a, a piece of shit. Yeah, he was trying to. He was cheating on his girl, although she was doing the same thing, yeah. and they met up at the end. I don't know. If you like pina colada Or the
3: girl from uh, that Meatloaf song. She says, wait, do you love me? Do you love me forever? She cock blocks him. Ah, oh, shit. See, there's something. Or maybe are maybe you guys Loaf done? is the... Yeah, M- Meat is an anti yeah, Just in general. <laughs> okay,
2: yeah, go. Honorable mention time? Yeah, great. even
0: sure. though I go last, I get first at honorable mentions. Yep. Uh, Beetlejuice? Yeah. I think Beetlejuice, he almost made it. Oh, one more time. Uh, <laughs> uh nope. I, 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 Nobody says the B word uh, Deadpool uh, George Costanza Barney Stinson mm, Barney Stinson's from How I Met Your Mother That's all I got
3: Can't I stand you uh, I also had Rorschach I had Walter White I had Han Solo But obviously there have been a lot of crossover uh, Jane Silent Bob I had uh, Batman I also had King Arthur from Monty Python and the Holy Grail uh, Dr. Cox from Scrubs and then a guy who almost made my list but uh Max Payne made it, made it instead John Marston from Red Dead Redemption yeah. and Nico Bellic from Grand Theft Auto 4, four right 4 Yeah, yeah. 4
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um I have Walter White uh the comedian from uh from uh, Watchmen, Watchmen, uh, Scarlet O'Hara from Gone with the Wind. She was such a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> The Punisher, um, Max Payne, also Kratos from God of War. Yeah, that's a good one. Alex um, from Clockwork Orange. Ooh, Snake Plissken. Snake Pliskin from. Uh, How the fuck did Snake know,
4: Plissken not end up in
2: the? I can't believe list. he was on. He was. I don't on think on he was an anti-hero.
4: What? I thought he was a straight up hero. <laughs> nah, I think he's an anti-hero. antihero. <laughs> he's a golden
2: god. And then my last one, Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver. Yeah, uh, that's a good one.
4: Uh, for me, it's good. <clears throat> I mentioned him earlier, but Todd McFarlane car- created a character called Spawn. Oh, yeah. oh like yeah, a lot of people think of him as an anti-hero. I thought, you know, he's okay. Like, uh, and basically any pro wrestler from the nineties: The Rock, <laughs> Stone Cold <Hulk laughs> Steve Austin, Undertaker, you know, Mankind. Nineties pro wrestling can never be top. Triple Sorry. H. H. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm
0: gonna throw one more in my honorable mentions, and that's Arthur Phelps from Double Ebony Hurt. there? You go. Yeah. Now yeah. Paul
2: went. Yeah, Paul uh, uh, I don't know yeah uh, Paul went kind of too <laughs> maybe <laughs> it's, it's I think Ar-
0: but keys both I, of them I think Arthur's the embodiment of anti hero in that series yeah <laughs> I think so anything else guys no, I we'll All see. right, well let's get the fuck out of here yeah, uh, yeah so thank you so much for joining us on top five. I was your host Jonathan Moss and for Kyle Appleyard Robert Lamb, and John Lazevith we'll see you next episode of top five see you it